Hello! Welcome back to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. I am not Jason Snell, nor am I Brian Hamilton, because neither of them could make it this week. By the process of elimination, that must mean that I am Monty Ashley, and I'm delighted to be joined by Kelly Gamont. Hello, Kelly! Hi, Monty! Uh, so, uh, do you like Game of Thrones? Oh, man. Um, I thought I liked it before, and then we got season seven. <laughs> oh, well, what do you like about the season so far? Um, well, some of the stuff that I like about the show is just sort of concentrated in the newest, in the newest episodes that we're getting. So, uh, I like, uh, seeing all of the women in positions of power and being women and, like, it doesn't really matter so much that they are. It's just them as an interesting character and their arc and what they're doing. And it's not about them being women. Sure. Which I, I think is cool. Like, there's a dynamic there in some cases, but by and large, that's not what, like, that's not what their character arc is about. Absolutely. Like, my favorite scene in this episode was just Sansa and Arya arguing oh. with each other about how Sansa should be ruling in Jon's absence. That w And th that moment, like, one of the other things I have always loved about this show is when people are two people are standing or you know, two people are in a room talking to each other and the words that they are saying don't really have much to do with the conversation that they're having yeah and that my lady at the end of that <laughs> spat was exactly that moment and i just like i was a couple minutes late what you guys don't know but i was a couple of minutes late to the agreed upon time because um a couple times we had to like pause briefly and freak out about something and then get back to the show. So um, it was super great. And like one of my all time favorite moments from the entire series was uh, last week watching Arya and Brienne throw down. That was just a beautiful sequence in like every imaginable way with two of my favorite characters. They were so wonderful. Um, I really liked everybody's conversations in here, but I have thoughts when we get there um i have thoughts about who i think uh had the most the most who traveled the most distance as a character in this episode <laughs> you mean character wise or physically not mileage wise no <laughs> oh, because they traveled a long distance physically i thought they totally did like there are we renting out the dragons now is that what's happening because We've done away with all of the travel we used to have, it seems. In season seven, like, ain't nobody got time for that. So well, All I'm saying is that it looks to me like the army of the dead is walking very slowly and should get themselves a boat, because that can put you anywhere <laughs> on the map in one turn. Within an episode, yeah. All right, so we're going to start off in a battlefield. I think this battlefield is near King's Landing, but it's the uh, aftermath of what happened last week. Yes, they were referring to that, I think, as the loot train. It's not anymore, um, though. Well, yeah, the 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 site formerly known as the location of the loot train. Um, I was really excited last week because I hadn't quite heard the conversation at the beginning, uh, just before the Dothraki showed up. Where And we watched the episode again uh, last night, and so I got to hear it again, so I was a little disappointed when they said the gold had already made it through the gates. Yeah, they made a big point of that. I guess it makes sense that when you're transporting all this stuff, the most important thing is the yeah. gold that Cersei needs. But you would have put more of the soldiers with the gold, though, I would think. I would, too. 
Like, you wouldn't put the gold all the way at the end of the chain, because that's where... No, the... but you'd need, like, a few people in front and a few people in back. But here's the... Th so, what I'm thinking is that they're relying on us to sort of rate that off. And just because the gold is inside doesn't mean Cersei has it. And when we saw her, she did not have it. She yeah. was still acting like she did, but there was no clear... Um, you know, the fellow from the Iron Bank didn't show up and go, yes, I enjoyed you before, but I enjoy you extra now because I'm going home with all my gold. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. That We didn't get that conversation. And as Game of Thrones has taught me, unless it's explicitly stated, then we don't know. That's true. Uh, nobody's dead till we see the corpse and mm -hmm. no debts are paid until you get a receipt. And speaking of people not being dead... Uh, <laughs> Thank so you. much comeback. <laughs> uh, Jamie and Bronn do, in fact, appear to be alive. They uh, went underwater and then went about a quarter of a mile underwater, I guess, uh, before surfacing on a beach. And Bronn is great in this scene, not very respectful of Jamie. At all. Explains to him, dragons are where our partnership ends. Now, to be fair... <laughs> The first thing Jamie said to the man who not only knocked him off the horse and out of the way of the dragon's fire and into the water, not only knocked him out of the way of the dragon's fire, but didn't knock him onto the sand, yeah. knocked him into the water so that he would surely be saved. The first thing out of Jamie's mouth when they get out of the water, after the water, is, you could have killed me. I'm starting <laughs> to think Jamie wanted to die there. Because he spends the rest of this episode forced between two decisions that he doesn't want to make. Now, he's the, he's my character. He's the one that I think traveled the most as a character. Because he had a very interesting conversation with Bronn. We know he had an in interesting conversation with Tyrion. And as I'm sure we'll get to, he had an interesting conversation with Cersei. Yes. And I'm, this is my theory. All of these are theories that um, are things that happen when I sit around and, and think a lot about what's happening and how it could go. Um, I'm not quite to Littlefinger's level of expect all of the things to happen <laughs> at all times, all at once. I'm not there, but I do sometimes like, what if this, what if that? Sure. And I was what ifing Jamie. And I think, I don't know how, but I think Jamie is going to either do something or more likely not do something and just allow something else to happen or not stop the thing that's that's coming this um, is too vague and, name names no i don't know what that part oh, okay. is but i feel like it's either his direct action which is i think his direct action is possible but i think it's his inaction like he's going to know something is happening and not stop it um that's going to ultimately end up being Cersei's downfall. That's my theory. Well, my that theory, it's all going to hinge on Jamie. My theory for a while has been we get a scene where Daenerys' army or something breaks into King's Landing, they see Cersei, then Cersei falls down, and you realize Jamie just killed her. Because yeah. he's Kingslayer, he's already done that once, where <laughs> the person he was sworn to protect had yes. gone too far, and he had to cut cut them down yes and he's also i think not just in this episode he's the character that has changed the most since the beginning but i think at well, the beginning she... of the series he shoved a kid out of a window yes at, but and didn't that, think twice and that whole arc where he was caitlin's uh captive 
mm-hmm. we got to see his humanity, and now we actually feel bad for him. Yes. And part of why I feel bad for him is because he loves his sister, and that's why I think it's in action. Like, perhaps he, uh, Daenerys raids the Red Keep. Jamie knows Daenerys is coming. Jamie knows Daenerys has all three dragons and basically just stays in his quarters and watches them land and knows what's going to happen and does not stop it. Like, I can also see that. I, I think there's a certain amount of poetic justice in it being at his hand. But I also think that for him, the sort of the kindest cut, I suppose, is uh, if I just don't do anything, I know that she will end up dead. Yeah. Now... Cersei's revelation later on that she is pregnant with Jamie's child probably mm. changes the math on this a little bit. It, it does a little, and that's sort of why I think maybe he won't be the one to cut her down. Yeah. All right. Uh, getting back to the battlefield. Uh, after we see Ron and Jamie, we then get a scene where Tyrion walks on the ashes of what used to be his army. Really, that's the Lannister was... soldiers. Yeah. That was a really... It's it's another one of those moments where I was really impressed with the lack of dialogue. I was really, you know, like when uh, when Daenerys rolls up to Dragonstone for the first time and nobody said a word. And this was the same thing. It was just one of those moments where we didn't need any dialogue because we had an amazing actor and we had this this landscape of brutality and, you know, and like knowing full well because he stood there and watched it happen like standing there and walking amongst the aftermath and and the shots that we see of the aftermath and his reaction to that aftermath we didn't need him to be walking with someone and having a conversation with them we just really needed to see it and see the toll that it took on him to really have that driven home i thought and that led directly to him basically pleading with daenerys to show mercy to her captives even the captives that refused to bend the knee. He's like, send them to the wall. But unfortunately, the captives are Randall Tarly, who is a huge <laughs> jerk, but also pretty honorable, because he will not take that way out. True. He is a mega jerk. But I did, like, I had a certain amount of respect for him, but I still would have respected him if he had just gone and been the boss of the wall. Because... I don't know how much anybody knows about the situation up north, but it would have been pretty easy for him to just roll up and end up the boss. And like, maybe he should getting to live, getting to live and boss everybody around might not be so bad. You know, he's Samwell's father. I'm pretty sure Sam mentioned something about it when he was staying in the Tarly castle for two nights before he stole the sword and left. (laughs) Yeah, but think how much has changed even just even just since then. That's because true. we got we've got no time for nonsense in season seven. Yep. And we have no time for Tarleys either. As Randall's gone, Dickens gone, the only Tarly left alive is Samwell. Which but... makes him the Lord. Oh no, it doesn't, because he took the black. He he joined the Knights Watch. That means you can't well, inherit. Which is true, but on paper, he's the last known male Tarly. But he doesn't count as a Tarly anymore. But... They're very strict about those vows, unless you die and come back to life, in which case you can go do anything you want, apparently. <laughs> well, and see, that's kind of where I'm at, is like, everybody's definition of what you can and cannot has been very flexible since about season three. So I'm thinking, like, worst case, if Sam did in fact decide to go home to mom, you know, and finally stand up for himself, even though I know he said he was never coming back, 
Well, let's if go. on the off chance he did, like, you know, maybe they wouldn't mind. Yeah. Well, th- I have a feeling that by the end of this whole uh, saga, there's going to be a lot of empty castles, and you can call yourself a big family whether you are or not. <laughs> Yeah, we're kind of emptying them left, right, and center now, aren't we? Yeah, well, let's jump down to Old Town and talk about Sam's exciting uh, library adventures. Oh my god. So, first, we saw a bunch of Meisters talking about Bran's note, and not believing it, kind of comparing it to other famous bluffs that have happened in history. Mm-hmm. And then Sam couldn't stand it, so he's just, if you tell people the threat is real, they'll believe it. And everyone's like, yeah, it might be real, we'll... We'll investigate. <laughs> yeah, I I really felt for Sam in that position. You know, he's trying to make them understand, and he clearly does not want to talk about it. Like, it is so hard for him to say, I've seen it. Yeah, I'm an actual eyewitness. I, I am evidence, but they, they don't yeah. care. And they, it didn't matter to them. And then, you know, the scribing and the making fun. And, and I really did feel bad for Sam in that moment because I really wanted uh, the maester whose name escapes me, who Jim played Broadbent. Horace Slughorn. Yes, I'm like, Horace Slughorn. Maester Slughorn. Um, W.S. Gilbert is how I think of him, mostly. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, um, I really wanted him, knowing what he knows about Sam, which is that he straight up cured Jorah. Yeah. Like knowing kid- what he knows, I really, and and knowing, like, that Sam is to be trusted. Like, Sam never plays at anything. Sam's just Sam. And, like, you know, as clever as Sam is, he's not clever enough to pretend to be something he's not. He's not ruthless enough. Like, he's not ever in anything for himself. It's only for other people. You know, he only risked going back to his father's house for Gilly and the baby. And he only ever risked, you know, other things. You know, he risked his life at the castle for Sam. Mm-hmm. Or for John, I mean. And- so... He's, like, never been that guy. So I was really disappointed that that the maester didn't stand up for him and say, and, and sort of be a little bit more on Team Sam. And that, of course, leads to Sam sneaking into the library at night, stealing books, and leaving. But before he does that, <laughs> he misses the most important plot point of the episode. Oh my god, my throat is sore. You keep hearing <laughs> me swallow because I keep, I'm... I'm trying to drink ice water because I was hollering <laughs> at what's an annulment. Wait, what did she say? I, I wrote down. I'm exactly so what... tired of, and I'm like, <gasps> yeah. So here's exactly what she said. Maynard says here that he issued an annulment for Prince Ragar and remarried him to someone else at the same time <gasps> in a secret ceremony in Dorne. Oh, no! oh my God. Yeah. So, so... That... That's as much evidence as anybody needs that John is the son of Rhaegar, right? One would hope. So here's my question, though. Yes. Is if this makes if this makes John legit, and everything I've been led to believe is that John was first, then where does that leave Danny? Um, not. And how legit is she? I think she is less legit. Although she has dragons who listen to her, although it kind of looked well, like one of those dragons <laughs> liked John okay, too. Yeah. So they're going to have to work that out themselves. Um, I will say that later on, it kind of looked like Daenerys sort of looked sad that John was leaving. But, yeah, it did. 
she could also have been sad that Jorah was leaving. That, well, that was... she was, I think, too. But I think there, you could see a little something between them in the cave. Yeah. I will say those are the moments without dialogue that I, I'm not entirely sold on. The internet strongly feels that John and Daenerys have to hook up and be married at some point. Okay, but here's why... Don't... Go ahead. <laughs> well, here's why I think that. Okay. And I didn't get it from the internet. I just got it from... This is the only solution to their problem. John right. won't bend the knee. Right. But John doesn't have to be subservient to his wife. And she doesn't need him to bend the knee if he's her husband. So this way, neither of them has to do the one thing they don't want to do. And they still don't end up losing by not doing it. Yeah, it works politically, but... You know, it's a television show. I want the people who are married to be in love. It did seem genuinely sad. Glad of that. But, you know, also keep in mind she let him go. Yeah. And we have seen that that can go either way. <laughs> when someone decides they don't want to hang with her anymore, we've seen it end well for John, and we've seen it end poorly for Randall and his son. Yeah. So with that one um especially with her um but speaking of danny just briefly um the costumes in season in season seven i don't know what sort of magic they are doing but everybody looks amazing all the time oh like i am cersei... absolutely noticing those costumes every time now both cersei and sansa are wearing black much more severe much more powerful outfits than they mm -hmm. have in the past just mm -hmm. to tell everybody i'm in charge Mm hmm I was really interested in the pattern on Cersei's outfit. There was a weird yeah. grid. Yeah. Right. Very uh, let's go to King's Landing and see what happens there. <laughs> so, at the beginning of the episode, well, not at the beginning, but in our first King's Landing scene, Jamie brushes past Kyburn to get to Cersei. And it looked like Kyburn was trying to tell him something. He was. I, I just couldn't quite tell what it was. Yeah, that's going to come up. Like they're establishing, Kyburn's got something on the boil. Mm-hmm. And he tells Cersei, well, we lost some number of men. We don't know how many. <laughs> it's all of them. Yeah. And he doesn't think the mercenary army is going to work very well. No. He doesn't think they can win. Cersei, on the other hand, correctly thinks that if they surrender, they're just going to get their heads cut off. So what's the point of that? True. But I did like... How in this case, like, I know in previous situations, Jamie's sort of been, you know, yeah, we can do it because we're Lannisters and that's, like, all we need. Like, that's all the armor we need for this battle or whatever. And he right. kind of has that attitude sometimes. But this time, he was shook because he was there, like, he told her, you know, she brought one dragon. There are two more. Yeah. Well, and... that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, mm -hmm. at, at this point... Whatever Danny takes seriously gets destroyed. If Danny right now said, "You know what? I'm going to take a dragon up north. It doesn't take very long, apparently, and just go <laughs> wipe out the army of the dead and then get back to work down here." Yeah, eh, problem solved in an episode, right? Yeah, it's really only going to set us back an afternoon, apparently. You know, like, <laughs> you know, she should she should eat lunch. You know, maybe eat lunch a little early and then spend the afternoon obliterating the White Walkers and the Whites. Get rid of the entire army of the dead. And then, you know, 
jam on home and make it back for a late dinner. Yeah. I think she'd be okay in that respect. Now, what I was what I was curious about in in watching the conversation between Jamie and Cersei was how near the, because this is this happened like a couple of times near the end of the conversation that they're having, he sort of gets this look on his face like he is seeing her the way all the people who have been warning her him about her are yeah. seeing her. Right said, we fight and die or we submit and die. I know mm. my choice. A soldier should know his. And he's yep. thinking, a soldier is usually ruled by someone who isn't a complete lunatic, ideally. Yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to feel like, I think that was the moment when, when he was sort of feeling like this all seems really familiar. And I had to run a sword through the last person on the Iron Throne who was talking <laughs> this way. Now, if we continue on what was happening in King's Landing, we'll get ahead of what happened in Dragonstone. So I think we're going to have to jump back <laughs> okay. and forth. So, in Dragonstone, Jon Snow made a new friend. Boy, it, howdy, did he. <laughs> that, that dragon looked cool up close. Oh, man. I just feel like somehow that was like a reward for the effects team, for all of those long shots they had to do where they couldn't get into too much detail, and then they were like, guess what? In this episode, y'all get to go hog wild. Oh, there's so much anatomical nerdiness there. Like, and... when it's walking on all fours, that's how a mm. bat walks, because its wings are attached to his hands. Yes! And when it blinks, you could see the nictating membrane come in from yes! the side. And, like, the ripple in the skin and how, like, the outside seems like it's rough and it's, like, a different color underneath. And, like, the teeth being all weird but all, like, unbelievably snarly and super-duper sharp. And, like, oh, it was just so, like, I'll go back and watch this episode again just because I want to see, like, some of the moments. And that's one of the moments is John taking off his glove and reaching out his hand and trying to stand there. Like, and, of course... um. I was watching it with uh, my husband and his friend, and uh, we were watching, and and the dragon, like, he puts his hand out for the dragon, and we're all like, he smells the Targaryen on him, he smells yeah. the Targaryen on him, that's, it's gonna be okay, you know, but I really thought that John, I was convinced John was gonna have an encounter with a dragon at Dragonstone, but I figured it would be one of the others, like, while Danny wasn't around, so Danny wouldn't have any knowledge of like john and the dragons being cool yeah but in fact uh danny saw this because she was coming back right away uh this yes. movement didn't bother me that much because king's landing and dragonstone are pretty close to each other on the map yeah uh and this was john snow's chance to say oh yeah i came back from the dead that's what that was all about but he, he's keeping it secret i don't know why you know i can't figure it out either except that um he i think he's worried that he will be painted with a white walker brush mm. like that's the best i can do is like how do we know you're not one of the undead because we killed you and here you are ah but you know the first thing we saw <laughs> in the entire series was somebody getting executed for leaving the night's watch right so he should have to tell people why he's not at the wall especially if he cares that much about the white walkers how can you yes. be king in the north instead of just a knight's watch As opposed brother? to the a brother or lord commander, because everybody yeah. knew he was lord commander. So I'm very curious why he hasn't had to tell that story either, especially when he wasn't introduced to Danny as the commander of the knight's watch. Yeah, she's 
He's very late on <laughs> just, all of the gossip from this continent. Jon Snow, King of the North. Or that was like yeah. all he got. So, yeah. So then uh, Jorah comes by. Jon Snow has a little uh, meeting with Jorah. Jorah! Hey, knew your father I did. <laughs> he was delightful. There's a lot of those moments that were kind of that kind of get skipped because not everybody has time to list all the people they know. Yeah. But that was a big one. Yeah. Like, so I really, I, I really did enjoy that moment. I thought that was kind of great. But like, um, Tyrion didn't get to know that uh, the Tarleys were the parents of Sam Tarly. Although yeah. he did. All right. Anyway. Then Tyrion is drinking because he's sad that so many people got killed. And yeah. People die in war, but this was his army. I think that's fair. Yeah. He, this uh, was a little more directly his army, even more so, you know, than when he fought with his father. Yeah. And uh, Varys gives him some advice about how to advise kings, although Varys didn't do a great job in his round, so. <laughs> this is true. Then they get a letter for Jon Snow, and I get excited. <gasps> Finally, Bran has decided to tell people <laughs> yes! the one piece of information I care about. No, it's just about White Walkers and stuff. <laughs> and... And to be fair, Arya and Bran being alive. Which was very cool. But I really liked that moment between Tyrion and Varys, and I was oh, yeah. really glad to see that like their relationship is still basically the same. It's a sealed scroll for the King of the North. What's it say? No, nothing good. <laughs> I loved that moment. No. I really, and I also loved that Varys like, grabs the glass out from under Tyrion takes a drink, makes a terrible face, and then just keeps drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so, Daenerys is starting to believe, kind of, that at least Jon is serious about these uh, dead people. Yeah. A and they come up with this plan where they're going to, what, kidnap a white and bring it to King's Landing to show Basically, Cersei? Basically, yeah. No, really, we mean it. Here's one now. Because that's a great idea. There's no way that's going to go terribly, terribly wrong. Now, I know they haven't seen a lot of zombie movies in the world of Game of Thrones. But I'm certain that if you grab a zombie and bring it into your sealed city, the next scene is a whole city full of zombies, Is right? all of you being zombies. Well, so here's my question. And I, because I don't know this, and I, I was actually considering this briefly when they were talking about we're just going to snatch one and, and take it to King's Landing and show it off. My question is, can, because we know that there are white walkers, like the king. Yeah. The white king. But we also know that there are whites. Now, can whites make more whites? Or is that only white walkers can make, can make more? Because maybe... They'd be okay with a white if it can't do anything but just not be dead. And it could maybe kill other people, but if it kills other people, then those people are not also undead. We don't have real firm stats I don't on know. This, yeah, I don't know what the rules are. One of my complaints about this show is I like my magic to be, like, firmly <laughs> defined. Like, well, what's yes. the range on Bran's ability to warg? Can he go worldwide yeah. or just 10, 100 miles or what? But the impression I got from the previous zombie scenes was that if a zombie kills you, you also become a zombie. That's mm -hmm. like the guys at the wall had to end up burning all of their dead because of that. Yeah. But what I don't, what I don't remember of that was 
who was doing the killing. So I don't remember if it was like the the Night King and White Walkers. I think because that I be- know White Walkers make whites, but I don't know if whites have any zombifying ability on others if they are fighting. I think they do. It's certainly best to proceed as if they do. Yeah. Which means this is still a terrible idea, and I yep. don't know what makes it... I don't know what would make it better. I don't know how they think they can mitigate this. That's really where I'm well, going. I don't think any of their ideas are good at this point, because their no. plan involves sneaking Tyrion into King's Landing so he can talk to Jamie And out again. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember the first half of the entire series where people are constantly being held hostage for various reasons by the opposing side. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion is the most recognizable guy in the world. And remember, he literally said that to Varys last season. Yeah. When he was like, you know, he said something about the most recognizable dwarf in the city. And then he was like, Varys, in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, that seemed like a... I I figured they would try somehow to disguise him the tiniest bit, like maybe um make him shave and act like he was a kid or something. Yeah, you know, they didn't so, even like give put him a hood a, on him. They didn't give, even give him a mask to the point where he was recognized by a guard saying, "Not hey, that's the famous imp who saved this city like six months ago." But yeah, we were looking for a dwarf with that facial scar. Yeah, with a scar like you. Yeah, and I will say. Unlike the books, I don't think he has that big a scar in the show. No, not anymore. It seems to, it, I mean, over time, it seems to fade a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I always got the impression in the books it was very angry. Yep. Like a, like a red angry welt kind of across his face, very obvious. And, and it's not so much that in the show. So their plan is, Jon Snow will take Jorah Mormont north to go kidnap a white, whereas yes. Tyrion and Davos Seaworth will go to King's Landing, which is the best plan ever. And you know what's really funny to me is that I feel like the characters who have come into their own the most this season are the sidekicks. Oh, yeah. Because I am team sidekick all the way this season because Davos is one of my absolute favorites now. And Braun, who always has had a dear place in my heart, I love him even more this season. And I don't know. And, and like when when Tyrion is is sidekicking for Danny, like I get that same sort of thing from him. And I just love. I love watching the sidekicks at work, like the people who are sort of the people behind the people, you know, like Varys is always really fun. And, you know, like all of those folks have really, it's like they've become their own set of main characters. And so we just have more people to, to keep track of and be interested in and care about. They have, but my problem is that as we get near the end of the series, we're contracting (laughs) a bit. Like everybody is going to either King's Landing or Dragonstone. Yeah. So, the sidekicks don't have as much to do. Varys had one scene. What's he doing? I want more Varys. Missandei yeah. doesn't do anything unless Grey yeah. Worm is there. Yeah, well, she did have a really nice conversation with uh, John and Davos last week. That's true. Which was great. I really enjoyed when she was talking about, like, I choose to serve her now instead of, yeah. you know, in, instead of instead of not. And... And like I and she's a very interesting one because she's very enigmatic. And uh, but I also enjoyed like some of the moments uh, between people because, you know, for as dark as it is, like, you know, we were just talking about the 
the aftermath of the battle, you know, where the dragon has literally turned everything to ash. And, you know, we get these little moments, um, like they're in King's Landing, like the the bit where we're talking about where Tyrion's trying to leave, you know, and uh uh we we end up uh dispatching a couple of soldiers very efficiently with Gendry, speaking of comebacks. Um <laughs> Gendry. Yes. So who was hilarious to me in this episode, but um I loved so he's the note I wrote down was Gendry armed to the teeth with an itchy trigger finger. Oh hell yes. So I was excited to see him in the first place. And then I loved that he was like, Yeah, swords are nice, but I carry this. Yeah. Well and, it's a blacksmith, a totally yeah, on theme. Yeah. So I loved it. And then uh, you know, he dispatches a couple of soldiers and Davo says, This is Gendry. And Tyrion takes one look at him and goes, He'll do and they all get in the boat yeah. and leave. Like, just those quick little moments, like everybody sort of had those this time, and I, I really enjoyed them. So say, um, so uh, Tyrion and Davos get to King's Landing and split up. Tyrion surprises Jaime in the catacombs. Yes. And now, it's nice that we get a reunion of the Lannister boys. I guess they haven't been on the same screen for a while. Quite a while. I was really disappointed we didn't get to see Tyrion and Bronn's reunion. That was killing me. I was so sad. I'm like, no, no. I like this conversation, but I love the one that happened before that we didn't get to see. I know it's going to be awesome. And I, and do, I missed it. I do like that we just take on faith. Like, we have to explain how Tyrion talked to Jamie, so Bronn set it up. Do we have to explain how Tyrion talked to Bronn? Nah, they're fine. Yeah. But surely <laughs> they go to the same whorehouse or something. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> We know that that worked. Well, because what we know is that Tyrion could have showed up with a bag of gold and Bronn would have been like, all right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it. But I really enjoyed, like, Bronn, ha Bronn has always had a zinger here and there, but it seems like he's been up in his game this season and I've really enjoyed that. But I was also really surprised at Tyrion and Jamie's conversation where Tyrion said, where um, Jamie was still super mad about about dad yeah he seems to have really liked tywin more than i thought he did more than i thought anybody did yeah <laughs> like i can understand being mad when you thought he killed joffrey but like first of all as Tyrion said he was going to execute him yeah but also come on well and it seems like there should be like jamie you've been outside i feel like there's water under the bridge you know, that you need to recognize here. Yeah. But uh, Tyrion gets his message out and gets out with being cut in half. This is true. Meanwhile, Davos goes to the blacksmith and, as we just said, finds Gendry. Gendry, oh, of all people. Gendry! And Talk about comebacks. I just, I've loved seeing all these people pop up. It's been great. And Gendry has no interest in keeping stuff secret. He's a... <laughs> as soon as he gets back to um, Dragonstone, just walking up to people. Hi, my name's Gendry, not Clovis, and I am Robert Baratheon's son. <laughs> that was that was probably as much as I loved watching Davos try to sell fermented crab <laughs> on the beach to the two guards. As much as that was amazing, the bit when he talks to Gendry, and he's like, "Your name's Clovis. You're just a Smith. I brought you back," and he's like, "Okay." 
And then he walks in and John says, hi. And he says, hi, I'm Gedry. <laughs> I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard son. Now, here's what but the conversation between the two of them was so great. And I loved them so much. I need to know what the name is for that bromance because you know it's happening. Mm. What do we have? So we have? are we calling it Jondry? Onion? I, oh, J- John and Gendry? John and Gendry. Oh, okay. I, I thought you meant the Onion Knight and Gendry. It's kind of, uh... Oh, no, no. But the, I just, I, I did adore the exasperation on his face and the like, you know, a minute ago, this was, you, you were so totally fine with this, you know, and, but I love that Gendry also has a certain amount of respect for, again, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. So. Well, I don't, I think Gendry is not sure how much time he's going to have on the show again, because he's been... <laughs> He's true. been gone a long time, so you have to make the most of every second of screen time. This is true. But so, I did uh, enjoy that he wasn't, you know, trying to be, he wasn't, like, interested in, in keeping any of that quiet. So I'm very curious how this is going to go, but I think, I think there's totally something there. I think they're going to end up being buddies. I hope so. I hope one of them doesn't die suddenly. I hope that, too. So, or again, uh, for that matter. So Davos and Gendry get back to the boat. <laughs> and eventually convince some guards to take a bribe, but then Tyrion walks past them. They eventually recognize him, and Gendry whops him. Yep. But good. <laughs> yeah. Like, wh- whoever does the special effects makeup went extra hard on that one guard's face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. And But I really did enjoy... Uh, oh, so part of the conversation... With John and Gendry just after that, part, one of the things that I wrote down was Davos. All I've ever done is live to a ripe old age. <laughs> that was that was what that was just a great moment. I thought it was great. Yeah. So, so they come they come back to Dragonstone, then hop on Team Jon Snow to go north. Yep. Um, Tyrion gives Jorah a coin. I have completely forgotten the importance oh, of. It was the coin the slavers gave him. Uh, when they were like trying to buy their freedom, yeah, that's and what he and Jorah, said it. yeah, he and Jorah were in the fighting pits, and Jorah said it's suppo- oh, it was right, supposed right. to last us the rest of our lives, and he gave it to. I did enjoy their moment too because Tyrion said nobody glowers quite like you, Mormont, not even Grey Worm. Yeah, <laughs> and I felt like he was really trying to pay him a compliment, and it was very entertaining. They were fun to watch. It. Like, some of the people that we've seen together before who are now together again after, you know, a season or two or three or four have happened, it's really interesting to watch the the current versions of them line up in these older versions of them's relationships. You know, like, seeing Sansa and Arya last week finally get together and, and seeing uh, Tyrion and Jorah have a conversation together again. Like, some of those moments have been really fun to watch yeah. this season. And then Daenerys comes and says goodbye to them and looks sad, I guess. She was sad. Yeah. I think she might have also been a little bit frustrated because Jon left without her getting her way. Even though she felt like it was the right move to make, it was still not what was supposed to happen. So I think there might have been a little bit of that, too. I think she's being impatient. Like, she's just opening negotiations with this guy who calls himself King of the North. They clearly have an understanding... They are not actively at war. Mm-hmm. I think you can take that and move on with the rest of your campaign. Absolutely. I feel like he's the least of her problems. Right. You know, honestly. And then back at King's Landing, 
Jamie sees Cersei and Kyburn talking. What are they talking about? We'll never know. We'll know in like a week. <laughs> and it turns out Cersei knew that Jamie was talking to Tyrion. Oh, I did like that. Are you going to punish him? Braun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because she's got spies already. Kyburn's spies, I think. Well, she has Kyburn spies who were Varys spies. Yeah. Or at least some of them. And she is open to an armistice because she's not dumb and this war is not going super well for her. Right. And then, like, back to back. I'm going to announce you as the father. They embrace. Never betray me again. I know. She's the godfather now. She is. She totally is. But I did really enjoy watching how much it sucked for Jamie, but how he felt it was so necessary to just break it down for Cersei. Yep. When she's like, of course, Lady Elena was lying. And he's like, no, no. Think this through. Yeah. Who who would you rather your kid be married to, Joffrey or Tommen? Yeah. And, like, even at that point, you could see her face like, oh, my God, she's totally, you know. And I... I did sort of hope for an ounce of humanity out of Jamie at that point, <laughs> just to be like, I looked her in the eyes. She had nothing to lose and nothing to gain well, by by telling me this lie. Because she think, really didn't. I think she could have had something to gain, even if it's just messing with Jamie and Cersei. Yeah, but like it, it wasn't gaining her anything eh, at that point. So, true. you know, like she... It it basically changed her position not even a little. But I did like I did like what was in it for her, which was I want her to know it was me. Yeah. And then she died and then you know, ostensibly she died. And really but, it doesn't change Cersei's plans any, because she still no. wants to kill everybody who isn't her own family. Basically, yeah. But I really I I liked having to like I liked that it this sounds weird, but I liked that Jamie seemed like he felt bad having to explain it. Yeah. Because he was also sort of having to come to terms himself with, you know, like, Joffrey was a friggin' monster. And I really, like, it was more of that humanity. And you see the same humanity on his face as they're hugging. And she says, never betray me again. Because we don't see her face. Yeah. We only see him hug her. We see him put his arms around her. And he's like, like, he sort of, it sort of feels like he's like, finally can relax he's where he's supposed to be and she says never betray me again and you see his face like if you were really quiet you could hear his blood running cold yeah in that moment to her even talking to Tyrion without killing him that's a betrayal yes all right let's go north and stop off at winterfell okay so bran is warging into lots of ravens it looked like one raven at a time but he was controlling the whole murder yes up until they saw the Night King, and then the work breaks. And then he finally says, I guess I should tell some people some things. <laughs> Did, I didn't notice that. It, it's like it occurred to him, you know, later. Um, but he keeps insisting he's not Bran, which I think is sort of yeah. interesting. Well, part of why I want to believe that is because I have a theory. Let's hear it. My theory is that you will never have more than two Starks in the same place again. And to justify this theory, you have to define Bran as not a Stark. Is that correct? Right. <laughs> well, if John ever makes it back to Winterfell, 
and Arya and Sansa are still there. No, keep I think mi- one of them will he's... be leaving. All right, but if he does make it, keep in mind he still will count as a Stark because of Lyanna Stark, his yes. almost certain mother. No, he absolutely does count as a Stark. I'm counting him as a Stark, okay. but he hasn't been at Winterfell with the rest of them. So I think before he leaves, one of two things is going to happen. Either Littlefinger's finally going to get his claws far enough into Sansa that something else is going to happen and she's going to go be the Lady of the Eyrie or he's going to manage to finagle her back to the Red Keep or something or that it's going to have something to do with Littlefinger is why Sansa's gone. Oh, I don't think Sansa's ever leaving Winterfell. I think well, Arya's more likely to leave than he is. No, but this is more me just what ifing right. everything. So on the one hand, like, because they're, they're, technically there are two Starks now because Brandon keeps saying he's not Bran. So if Sansa leaves, it's going to be some sort of Littlefinger catalyst that causes that. But I think the more likely thing is that Arya is going to remember that her purpose in the world is to kill Cersei and she's going to bail for the keep. She could. But we are just now getting to the Sansa Arya scene, which is my favorite thing in the episode. Oh, it was so good. First of all, what I liked is that although Arya disagreed with the way Sansa was talking to the various Bannermen, Mm -hmm. she didn't say anything in front of the Bannermen. Yes. You talk I... about it afterwards in private. You don't undercut the person in charge while they're being in charge. Yes. And I liked that that she was very astute about it, too. Like, she didn't go in like, that was so unfair. You were super mean. Like, they're totally having a an, an adult conversation. Yeah. They're like, I know you're using these tactics for these reasons, and these are your goals. It is yeah. my position. You should be doing this because of this and this. Right. And also because Arya just wants to kill people. <laughs> Which is, which is a weird, I still think that, that they're going to have to have a conversation about that because I feel like, and, and this could just be me, I feel like Sansa really didn't believe her until Sansa saw her throw down with Brienne last week. Yeah. And now it sort of feels like Sansa doesn't know what to make of her sister. Well, I think they're actually coming to a better understanding than they ever had as kids. Oh, absolutely. Like. If they can reach a point where Sansa is Lady of Winterfell in charge of everything and Arya is kind of her hand. Yeah. And Sansa takes some advice and rejects some advice. That would be amazing. And I think they're on their way to that. Oh, I would love that because I would really, given how at odds they were on like a molecular level (laughs) at the beginning of the series. I would really love if the two of them teamed up because, you know, John's going to end up having business elsewhere. You know, maybe he ends up as the commander of the East Watch or something, you know, and and so he's got some other purpose he must fulfill. And this is how Sansa, this is how Sansa ends up, which is what she wanted, which is what Arya pointed out to her, although Arya was sort of. Arya was sort of using it as a sharp stick to kind of poke her. You know, this is always what you wanted, was the nice stuff to be above everybody else. But also Sansa is a better ruler than Jon. I think so. She's not constantly running off south or north. Like, she's staying (laughs) at the seat of power and ruling, which is what a ruler is supposed to do most of the time. Right, and she's doing, like, the pretty day-to-day stuff. You know, the conversations we hear her having, quite honestly, are boring. Right. You're right. Like, she had that important scene that presumably represented a lot where she just said, shouldn't there be leather on those uh, shields? Because it's going to be cold real soon. Yeah. And then, um, because Littlefinger is in the mix, it looks like 
All right. Arya <laughs> is lurking in the shadows, sees Sansa talking to Littlefinger, sees other people talking to Little Littlefinger. Lurk, lurk, lurk. Was that Sansa? I thought it was not. It was someone else because oh. he paid her. Okay. Maybe it was. You're right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that would have made a lot more sense. Now she's, it makes less sense again. That's okay. But she's, mm. She certainly sees Littlefinger talking to a lot of people. Yes. And get a note that took some searching, and it's the only copy in Winterfell. And then she sneaks into his room and eventually finds a note. And here, here's what I made out from the note. Okay, thank you, because I was like, I don't have time to pause this and look. <laughs> only the middle part was in focus, so it's mm -hmm. something is dead. Killed from wounds he took something. Next line, something. And tried to steal his throne, something. Last line, something. And swear fealty to King Joffrey, something. Ends with your faithful sister, Sansa. Uh, oh, um, that could be, and I might get this wrong, but that could be the letter about Ned not kneeling, not bending the knee to Joffrey uh, that got sent to Rob when, when Sansa said, I'll write home and oh. I'll just ask all my family about everybody when she was really trying to help her dad. You're right, you're right. Because back then she was all about saying, yes, King Joffrey, whatever you say, King Joffrey, right, put the crossbow he, down, King Joffrey. He likes me. And because they, yeah, she's, she didn't really know him yet. Yeah. So she still thought, and, and remember she like went to court and pled for her father's life and said, I'll write home and da, 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 da. So she probably wrote that and let him know, like while she was still sort of prisoner, but not really. Yeah. Like in so, that weird space. So, Arya went back into the hallway, and we saw Littlefinger is watching her from the shadows. So now we've got yeah. a setup where everybody's, well, not everybody, Arya and Littlefinger are spying on each other, which yeah. probably works in Littlefinger's favor as he's better at spying. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he realizes that if he, annoys, if he annoys Arya even a little bit, she's just going to kill him. Yeah, she's not, she's not even going to bother adding him to the list. She's just yeah. going to put him on and be like, you're done. Yeah. If Sansa complains, she'll say, ah, didn't like that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's killed a lot of people for a lot less than suspicion of sabotaging her sister. Yeah. And what I'm curious about is what, what he gained by it being that note. Because well, he sent them looking for something specific for a reason. He wanted Arya to know that he had this note. Yeah. And it could just be that this is evidence of Sansa swearing fealty to King Joffrey, and that would be embarrassing to Sansa. I don't know. That's just speculation. Yeah, well, and because she already kind of did, that's why Lady mm -hmm. died. Yeah. I mean, she was... She was clearly on... Joffrey's side at one point because she's kind of why Ned got killed. Yeah. So exactly. I don't, I don't think that's that big a secret. No. See, I'm not that worried about the details. I just accept that it's a plot by Littlefinger and there's a MacGuffin. <laughs> that's true. And then we get to Eastwatch. The title of the episode. Oh. Did you Where... bring the big woman? <laughs> No torment, and you know her name, and also you would see her in this room. I know. 
<laughs> but I love so much that he was holding out hope. Yeah. That she was going to be there. I, I don't know why, but I love... They are so entertaining. And by they, I really mean Tormund not so secretly pining. Yeah. So in a season that's been all about great reunions, this is just character upon character upon character just coming back. Here's Sandor <laughs> Clegane. Not really the hound anymore. <laughs> yes. Here's Beric Dondarrion. Here's Thoros of Mir, who I had to look up who he was. Yeah. He's the guy with the flaming sword. Yes. He's the, the, the bringer backer, I think we were calling him. Yeah, he, he brings Beric back. Yeah. And after some banter, eventually there's a great statement. Here we all are at the edge of the world at the same moment, <gasps> headed in the same direction for the same reason. I I wrote that down too. And John finally says, we're all on the same side. How do you know? We're all breathing. We're all breathing. Yes. Just quit arguing amongst yourselves. And then you get that great, um, the right stuff shot of yes. all seven of them <laughs> going out north of the wall. Yes. It was giving me a very Magnificent Seven sort of a feel. I yeah, have to absolutely. Admit. Yeah. Which makes me worried because in no version of the Magnificent Seven do all seven of them live. No, 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 no. Although, and... to be fair, two of these dudes have already <laughs> died at least once and come back. That's what I was going to say. Two of them have already died. Uh, one of the things that, that, that struck me about that was how it almost felt like a throwback to when we opened the gate at Castle Black. Hmm. Sure, yeah. With the, um, I'm not going to remember which battle that was, but at that battle when the whole thing came down to John wanting to open the gate and everybody else sort of shouting him down. Yeah. It was pretty great, though. It oh, was wow. such a wonderful shot for the fi for the, the final moment of that of that particular episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that shot. It says something exciting is about to happen, and <laughs> next week is the penultimate episode of this run of episodes. Which... If all the previous runs have shown us anything, is the one where literally everything jumps off. Which I don't know if they're going to top last week's battle scene, which was amazing. But it does look like we're going to get some zombie killing. Which is going to be interesting. And I'm... I'm... And I'm interested to see where we're headed with all of this, because, like... As much stuff that has as much stuff has has happened and as much setup as we have seen I'm I still feel like there's a a a much much bigger showdown coming and it may be Danny and Cersei and it may be the living and the dead and I don't know but it's going to be as, at some point, we need to find out John's a Targaryen. Yeah, I just and need for that to happen. So I want to see a dragon fight one of those zombie giants. Like, yes, that's gonna have to happen. I really need for that to happen. I well, and and you know, people have been talking about who rides the other dragons. I've seen some of those theories out there. Like that can't, like we can't just have the one that's controlled by someone. Right. So I kind of want to see a little more of that and find out if we're gonna get anything there. Um, that was fun. One of the other ones I wrote down that I do want to point out was when uh, Gilly said to Sam, "Guess how many windows are in the Great Sept of Baylor?" <laughs> His reply was, <laughs> uh, no. "Not anymore." 
<laughs> and I just really enjoyed that moment when they were right before the annulment. I just really, yeah, that uh, that moment cracked me up. That was interesting because it showed that Sam does know some of the things that's been going on. Yeah, that was he, part of why I liked it. But he doesn't know. But he does not know that his father and brother are dead. And I was worried about that because I was like, I wrote that down. Sam, where are you going? You don't even know about your family. So I'm, and I felt bad. He was bad going that... back to his castle anyway because you know he left on bad terms and stole that sword. I think he was just stealing all the books he could and just headed straight back up north to the wall. Probably. I hope so. Yeah, I'm gonna be the 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 uh, maester now. Here you go. You know, um, I I really like the idea that somehow he gets to meet Danny, just because I really like the idea that he would get to learn about Targaryens from a Targaryen, and I think yeah. that he would really get a kick out of that. So I really, I feel like nothing is going Sam's way, even though I know he literally saved Jorah. I really want for him to, to have something totally go his way, whether it's his mom welcomes him back and, like, categorically denies he ever took the black, and so he really is the lord of, is, is he Harrenhal? No. I honestly don't know. Whatever his house is. Um, that he's, he's, the, he's Lord Tarly now. And he gets the title and the land and all those things. And it doesn't matter because she's just going to take him back or something. Like, I really need for him to get something, whatever that may be. And I was absolutely convinced that he was going to be the one to discover John's Targaryenism. <laughs> and Well, you know, you know how it is when you're trying to work on something and, like, somebody else is maybe, like, surfing the internet. Like, oh, here's something interesting I just saw. And like, not now. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. working. That's exactly brain, what that was. My brain is not for, is not processing that right now. Yeah, I get it. But I want to, like, I really wanted him to be the one to discover it because I feel like of all the characters, he's the one who truly knows what kind of impact that information would have. And yeah. I don't know that even Bran, who knows everything, really knows. Because he has no emotion attached and he has no, like, he already knows and just isn't telling anybody anything. Right. It, it's possible that he's, Ren is on a higher plane of understanding to where he doesn't care about genetics and, yeah. like, who should inherit. He's like, well, but there's these zombies coming, so I'm going to tell people about that. Yeah, and it's almost like it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter to him that there's a totally different probably legitimate claim to the throne like that's not what his that's not his focus like he really could care less about that yeah so i'm i'm interested but i'm also sort of interested in his three-eyed ravenness and like what that's going to mean for him i hope we find out more about the function of the three-eyed raven in the world because really all we know about the old one was that he could sort of travel through time and like knew everybody's business. And that was really all we knew, but we don't know like what he's for or why he's there or what contribution that makes to everybody that he knows everybody's stuff. Yeah. You would think knowing literally everything in all places and times would come in handy somehow, but yeah. And I'm, you know, and I'm curious, I, I hope we get to find out more about that because I'm really curious about, that part of the magic and mysticism that we've seen. Exactly. That's what I want is I don't want the mysticism to be so vague at this point. Define <laughs> it for me. Well, I need like, I want 
more to go on because we know he was a Targaryen. And so, like, how is the next one chosen and how did it turn out to be Bran and what about and how come and what for? Yeah. And I just have a bunch of three-eyed raven questions that could all be explained away with one little hand-wavy, you know, bunch of kids in a Charlie Brown special where yeah. they all wave their hands and then something's awesome again. Like, I, I could, you could explain it away with something like that that's very basic and just there's always been a three-eyed raven, there will always be a three-eyed raven. You know, it's like... um the Dalai Lama, like we, you know, one is born and we just sort of know, and then you know we teach him, and now he's the three-eyed raven because the the previous one has passed. Okay, well, that's we might... good enough for me, you know. But I want to find out more about his function and what what his deal is. I guess. Well, hopefully we'll get that in future episodes. <laughs> I'm going to declare us basically done on this episode, unless there's anything else you wanted to cover. No, just um. It was so much fun, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And even though a lot happened, it felt like set up. And now, because I because you reminded me that next week's penultimate, um, I I'm even more looking forward to next week than I was already. <laughs> As am I. Next week, I will be here. I don't know who else will be. <laughs> and that will do it for us. Uh, and now here's my signature sign off. Okay, bye.